0: All right, check, check, one, two, how are you, can you, uh, can you hear me?
1: Loud and clear, buddy, coming through.
0: Man, so much, so much to talk about.
1: We gotta have a little background music, I like that.
0: So, today is October, what's today, the 22nd. 22nd. We
1: set this appointment a long time ago.
0: We did, and it's, uh... Glad that you can actually come out for once. And, uh, you know, you had a dentist appointment. I had a dentist appointment, which is the smallest, small world.
1: So when I sent my wife a screenshot of your of your text, and it blew her away. She's like, he has a dentist appointment on the same <laughs> day? Like, for real?
0: In the same town?
1: Same town. I'll, were you in Gurney? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Gurney.
0: Yeah, so we're, like right now, we're in Lake Villa. We're about five miles west of Gurney. So, and where are you from? Like, just moved to Park Ridge. Just got to Park Ridge. Where did you, where were you, what's your birthplace?
1: Chicago. Born okay. at St. Joseph's right there on, uh, right off of Diversey and uh, on Lake Shore. Grew up right there on the north side, close by uh, Western and Belmont. Then we moved to Kimball and Addison for a while. Nice. That was my childhood. Uh, finished up high school in Northbrook, oddly enough. Okay. And that's how I ended up in the whole DJ world. Is when we moved up up to Northbrook. My uh, I didn't you know all my friends were in the city, so we had some family friends up there that lived in Northfield, and just by chance, you know, went to their house. Kids outside were playing basketball and you know, in front of the house, and yeah. One of them said uh, he was a DJ and he needed help carrying speakers. And here I am.
0: Wow. And you're, man, you've been doing it for 20?
1: 94. I started wow. um, like working for on a regular, you know, for a regular paycheck roading. And then 95 started playing my first gig by myself.
0: Wow. That's impressive track run.
1: Yeah, a long time no, no real breaks. You know, at one point I thought I was done when I started stopped doing bar mitzvahs. Maybe I didn't play for about three, four months or so, and then someone said, "Hey, do you want to play at the club?" And I was like, "Well, I only played at bar mitzvahs, so yeah." Well, you know, corporate social gatherings, not you know, not any nightclub, any long shifts of straight blending and
0: right, right, running the room basically.
1: Yeah, keeping the dance floor plaque. turning the floor, making sure the bar is ringing. And, you know, I wasn't aware of any of those things at that time.
0: And then how, describe how you got into vinyl. And, like, when (coughs) did you start actually, like, looking for vinyl and needing to, like, have certain songs? Like, when you, what was your first gathering of vinyl? And, like, do you have any specific places that you went to?
1: So, with vinyl... I didn't get into, believe it or not, into owning my own vinyl collection until 96, 97, when I got more into house music. Because when I first started playing, I was playing private parties. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was the same basic songs. And by that time, you could buy everything on CD. You could go to Sam Ash and buy whatever old... Madonna, Michael Jackson, ACDC, you know, greatest whatever. hits stuff. Yeah, tons of greatest hits compilation stuff, and uh, so because I just needed a working uh, collection in you know in a very short period of time. You know, not right. ever planning on being a DJ. To okay, you have a gig on this day coming up. You know, so whatever day, yeah, be ready. You know, have <laughs> a set. Here's at least you had a request list to go off on that first one. And oddly enough, I had, uh, half the requests on vinyl and half on CD. And since we had only at that time doing, been doing one party at a time, we only had one set of equipment, one, one gear. So we had to rent and the company didn't show up with the turntables, only the CD players. So that was,
0: how'd you, how'd you get through that?
1: It barely somehow. And then, um, when the uh, client wanted to go overtime and wanted to hear the number one request, which was Glenn Miller in the mood, I'll never forget it. And, uh, that's what I had on vinyl. But the whole time, um, I was playing, there was somebody next door. I heard through the wall playing another party and they were done. And I went over there and asked them and they had Glenn Miller in the mood Wow. on CD. And that's how I got through the last hour. So it was just, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, guardian angel, somebody looking over, whatever.
0: Yeah. Is there anybody specifically that was kind of like a inspiration or role model or mentor that kind of, you know, you aspire to be like in any kind of way or was it just all self-motivated? Like, I love this. I can't get enough of it. Let's just. Oh,
1: I got to be honest, though. As much of excitement as it was about it, it was really financial, yeah. You know, because at that time, you know, in the early mid nineties, what you would make DJing a bar mitzvah and roading and all the things that go with that, you know, renting the truck and loading the trucks and right organizing those things, um, you know, most people made all week, you right. know, in a regular job that someone in their early twenties would get, you know, mm-hmm. un unskilled, you know, waitering or whatever. Um, you know, this made, made that salary in one week and one night. So it was kind of a no brainer. So I really was attracted to that. And the best part about it is really, it was always slightly different, right? There's, they're never exact there that it's either a different location, a different family, a different client, different guests, Mm -hmm. whatever the case is, there's something different. And that's what really, when I look back now is what always kept me going.
0: Yeah. And kept you sharp because you kind of have to adjust all the curveballs that we go through on weekly, nightly, you know, residencies for private events, weddings. I need you to play this. I need you to play that. And like you know, being able to have that arsenal of uh, that catalog at hand is just key. You know, I think that anybody that's getting into it is going to have to understand that by just going along with all the requests and like not knowing what you're going to have to come up on sometimes and. Yeah, it's tough, man. Everybody has, like, a a weird story to begin with. Like, uh, I remember just my intro to music at, like, a big pace, I think, was, like, Columbia House CDs, you know, when you can, like, take the thing out of the magazine, and it's like 10 CDs for a dollar. Oh, yeah, I remember those. I got a dollar. I do remember stamp. You know, let's Mm -hmm. fill this thing out and see what happens. It was some kind of a,
1: like a membership thing or yeah, a subscription
0: like, thing or something. Like BMG had it. There was Columbia House. Yes, BMG. And uh, it was that
1: thick cardboard carton? You know, that thicker stack paper, right?
0: That you can just fill out and put a stamp on mm-hmm. and check off. They had like selection of these. Like, well, this looks cool. I like Guns and Roses. I know. I you know I kind of grew up with rock, hip hop, and like eclectic stuff that my parents used to listen to, like M J, Stevie Wonder. Marvin Gaye, you wow. know, old school stuff. So like, once I got like an opportunity to see what was out there, I think that the Columbia mm. House thing just changed the game for me. So I started ordering. You know, you got to the deal was like you got to spend twenty four ninety nine per CD, and you got to buy like ten CDs a year. And it's like, well, that looking back, that was an awful deal. Yeah, because
1: <laughs> I think you can even at that time promo onlys were less than that.
0: Right, but like I wasn't even like. Trying to DJ at that point, you know. I think I started in like 2000, right after like graduated high school, in 98, and then 99 was working some odd jobs like Circuit City installing car audio, so I was into audio all the time, mm-hmm. and then uh, that just progressed me to going into like underground parties because a couple mix, a couple competitions like Sound Sound Offs they used to call them. Uh, they'd have certain. People showing up with certain CDs. It's like, where did he get this mix from? Like, where, like, and that's kind of where my, like, introduction to whole finding out, like, where songs came from and, like, seeing what else is out there really just opened the, the panel for me. And once I saw, like, certain DJs at underground parties, I was like, all right, I got to kind of get some turntables. And then bought them off a buddy, and uh, he never did with anything anything with them. So I just started buying records. You know, it's probably similar to you know, you probably went to gramophone on Clark.
1: Yeah, I see. So now, now we go back to me actually getting vinyl. Um, I started working at Just Dance. Okay. You know, that was a record store, and um, obviously, there, that network would include gramophone and Hot Jams and mm-hmm. um, a slew of other other stores. I don't even remember anymore that because you know they went out probably. Right. In the early 2000s. um,
0: MP3s killed everything.
1: Yeah, they did. And, you know, people being able to record all their own uh, CDs and and CDJs and blending off of CDs, you know, coming up in those late 90s with uh, Denon.
0: Yep.
1: uh, The Denon 2000 kind of leading the way with that whole thing. So that's why originally I didn't even need vinyl. But then when I got into working at a a music store, I... My love of of house music and and other non radio dance music, although at that time B ninety six was really, I think, of head of the game in the sense that they let the DJs at night play whatever you know. So, Bad Boy Bill was, you know, he was killing all Chicago house music. Yeah, and Bobby D and you know Markski was doing his Euro thing and. You know, that stuff was cool, too. Those records were flying off the shelves, too, at that time. So uh, that was more my exposure into dance, that type of dance music, not commercial. But when you say, who's my inspiration, I, I really want to get back to that question. The person who who put the whole thing together for me as far as music and people, and this is what you have to do to make this happen, mm-hmm. you know, who kind of explained the formula, right. was Mars, okay so he's far and away my sensei like there is nobody who everything else that i know i've gotten little bits and pieces either from other people or you know just on my own working hours and hours and hours just spinning so self-taught yeah thing, uh, you know? genuinely you know oh my god when i put these two songs get together this is what happened mm-hmm. you know to whatever the environment is you know being appropriate to that environment but Mars, far and away, he was, it, and at that time, he was playing at a, a bar called America's America's Bar. It was really more of a club, actually. And
0: yeah, I remember. That was out in, like, past Schomburg area or something. That, like was, that.
1: that was at the end of it, but, uh, but when it was hot, it was um, right behind where um, Electric Hotel is now. Okay. There's a bicycle store there now, but it was called uh, America's Bar, Walter Payton's America's Bar, and he was discovered by Walter Payton dancing in a club somewhere and uh, ended up running all of his entertainment. But he would he's blending, you know, Robin S with ACDC and Michael Jackson, and, you know, he was the one who really explained to me, like, you don't have to just play house music together. You don't just have to play disco together. You know, you could play, Mike, with, you know, Madonna, with ACDC, with... Go in that open format route. You know, I... I think he was open format before there was a term. Yeah. Open format. You know, he would he would have all the whole, entire club dancing, jumping on their feet. He would stop the music, turn off the lights, turn on one spotlight on him and do Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra and lip sync it and act it out and, you know. Perform it in a way And okay. just That would bring down the house Just as much as When he was banging The hottest dance tune At the time Yeah Because he
0: knew His crowd He knew how to dial them in He owned
1: those people Yeah Absolutely owned those people But you know I think in hindsight It was Bad for When you try to expand To Schaumburg And Bloomingdale And wherever This there's only one Mars Right You know Yeah You could tell the other people That play these songs But
0: yeah, you know, and that's, I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand until they, you know, you don't know a good DJ until you heard a bad one. And it's the kind of the best way to describe it. Cause you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I could play music, you know, it's not too hard. And well, I don't know. I thought it was pretty hard getting into it. You know, I didn't really think there was any shortcuts. You just kind of have to learn music and, you know, the simple four, four structure of mixing and. You know, once you once you dial that and you apply it to like all the different multi genres, like Mars was talking about, and lives by it. I mean, that is open format, and that's just not not anybody's going to have like the greatest time in the world listening to one thing the entire night.
1: But I think also at depending on the era, like not now anymore, but back in the day, when someone said, "Hey, I want to be a DJ," you know and you're like okay by the time you get to the part where you have to explain to them that you have to listen to two songs at the same time
0: mm-hmm.
1: figure out which one's faster than the other
0: mm-hmm.
1: bring it in on the right measure and keep it there and keep it on beat by the time you get to that part they've already signed off that that's something that they're not going to yeah. move forward with anymore right because there's you can't you can't teach someone that mm-hmm. how can you teach someone to listen to two things at the same time and decipher them. Yeah, you, no. You just I mean, got to sit there and do it 80 billion times until it's you feel it. You don't right. even listen anymore. There's no you feel it.
0: Yeah, I think once that I, once that you discovered like everything has a BPM and you just apply that and you just, you know, you're basically just counting out the measurements and figuring out, okay, this one's 130 BPM. You start arranging your music better. You know, you Again, to, you're
1: you're in Serato. I'm taking you back to 1995.
0: Oh, I know, but I mean, I'm, I'm you just know, saying. And you
1: have to either go buy a record or go buy the CD. Right. That Nothing told you the BPM. You either knew it or you counted it and wrote it down on right. each jacket. You know.
0: That's what I was talking, that's what I meant. Like, you know, I have the, the markers of the, the BPM. Oh, yeah, there. got it. Because like the old DJM 500 and even the 600, you know, they had the BPM clicker on there. So that was kind of like... I was my, working with Newmark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like... We were the, lucky to have that ghetto 16-bit sample. Out right. There. Yeah, that's how you learn the old school way, is just, you know, doing the way you did it. But as far as, like, I didn't start until 2000. So, I mean, they had already had, like, pretty decent mixers out. Like, the Pioneer 5 and 600 was, like, the top stuff.
1: Yeah, I was... Um, and by by that time, you know, I was... We were still doing bar mitzvahs, so it was more of like we used what worked, Mm -hmm. and we didn't really kind of keep up with the time, because with bar mitzvahs, the DJ is not the most important thing, you know, it's it's that whole collaboration, and with, you know, someone taking at least 50% of it, just being on the microphone and being a personality and a host of the event, you know, owning cutting edge equipment and being at the top of your game that way wasn't important at that time, so... Not until I went to the club, right did I realize how important that was and um when
0: let's talk let's let's jump into that like when did you start playing nightclubs per se
1: so I wanna say it was somewhere around two thousand and three summer fall two thousand three two thousand four and um I was Playing, um, I had just stopped playing Bar Mitzvahs. I was sick of it. And uh, I happened to be selling cars. So I didn't, you know, have to rely on music anymore. And so someone, I don't know, are we, how deep are we getting into this? I guess I mentioned Mars. So Yeah, I mean. Um, WizKid called me up and said, uh, you know, I need someone to cover for me for some time at the club at this new club that I started at yada yada called enclave at that time and so I said uh I don't know I can try I never uh you know you know you know my history yeah it's all private so he's like yeah they'll like you they'll be fine sure enough these are the two most anal individuals to work for ever the owner and the manager were just like they they literally stood behind me the whole entire night we're gonna play next yeah, exactly. We nice. Looking over my shoulder for every single song, and I guess some, you know, they were happy enough with me that I mm-hmm. got through it and everything was cool, and that happened maybe once or twice, and then uh,
0: a few few months later, out of nowhere, Casper called me. Shout and out to Casper and shout out to Whizkid because uh, both, both of, of them those cats, yeah, they'll both be on the show at some point. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm sure they will. They're both all legends in in our game. So, um, he. Was the DJ downstairs at Enclave? So upstairs, uh, Walter was playing uh, up-tempo dance music, you know, high energy top 40s, and uh, and EDM ish. Okay, I don't know if it was, that was even termed then, but um, higher energy music. And then downstairs, with you know, and upstairs with all the moving lights and fog and confetti and dancers. I think we had. Six, seven, eight, ten dancers up there at a time. And then downstairs was hip hop, R&B, mm-hmm. reggae, old school, no lights, no dancing girls.
0: More intimate setting.
1: More low budget. Just, you know, it was more of like an overflow room. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what happened was though, as the you know time went by, oh so anyway, so Casper says to me, "Hey, can you fill in for me at the club, you know downstairs?" And I'm like, "Oh man, I again I could try, but they're those guys are familiar with me, so he called me like it would it would be an easier transition then. yeah because they, again they were really anal, so you couldn't just show you know, give them anybody and they don't care. But anywho, uh, so I did that a couple of times, and then Casper just dipped. He went to <laughs> to be in Hollywood on Dancing with the Stars and those guys just said, Hey man, this is your night. You're staying down here. And over time it was funny because as the club got slower, you know, earlier in the night it would be more busier downstairs than upstairs, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, instead of being the overflow room, you know, it, it got a little bit more popular and more attention. Yeah. You know, it was, we got grimy down there, man. It was, it was packed. People just dancing. The bottle service wasn't the most important thing. You know what I mean? The bar was packed and people were spending money, you know, and the managers would be down there watching me. But, uh, it was, um, you know, again, another, another great learning experience. Yeah. And, And so that's how I got into tell, tell us a little bit about what happened to you.
0: Oh man. As far as that time era
1: well i know you know i know a little bit of your private history with um bar mitzvah companies in the north shore and then
0: yeah you know i kind of jumped into it at a point where i was just kind of bored in chicago i was doing you know weekly stuff in the city and uh you know whiz kid i you know always a fellow dj that's a super great guy um he hit me up and he was like, yo, I can get you some more parties, you know, like daytime stuff, you know, even early evening stuff. And the money wasn't bad, you know, but it was, I thought it was going to be a lot easier uh, just cause I'm like, well, I've never done a mitzvah, but I've done a ton of weddings, corporate <laughs> events at this time. And uh, you know, I jumped on board with uh, him and the company that he was representing at the time and learned a lot, man, learned a lot about, you know, the whole process and like the culture of it and like working you know, with a team. Yeah. Yeah. Just by yourself. Yeah. And like, that was, that was cool. You know, and I, all the people that I worked with, like, you know, all the dancers, like shout out to like Glenn and like Ava and like, you know, even like everybody that was part of that team, they, you know, for the most part we all had a good, good squad and uh, I got to do some traveling, you know, like I went down to Memphis for some parties and we road tripped it and you know, that was pretty cool. Cause I saw like, only one side of DJing, which was mostly bars and nightclubs. Um, And I knew that special event like corporate events and stuff was like a good avenue and like weddings were always going to be there when I'm ready to just do weddings. And I think I, since I've always done weddings, since I was like, you know, 22, 23, um, as I'm getting older, a lot more of my friends are getting married and having families and stuff. So like, they're like, yo, we just want you to do our wedding. And, um, when I got introduced to uh that company, I was like, I didn't really have anything going on. So I was like, let's just learn some stuff. And it was really just like the best blessing that I've one of them that I've ever gotten in, in like the the work aspect because you just the more you learn, the more you know, uh, the more avenues you can kind of attack in like a business aspect. And I le- I learned a lot from every I don't want to say bad situation at the time, but, you know, at, at the time, like, oh, I'm switching to, like, you know, not doing that. That was a transition. And I've grown since then at a level that I'm, like, super happy and comfortable with, and um, the corporate stuff is kind of my avenue. Uh, the bar mitzvah thing really isn't my lane. Um, it's not to say that I won't do it, but it's just not, like, my area that I think I'm the strongest at, or not even not the strongest, but it's not my favorite thing to do.
1: And it's nice when you have options.
0: Yeah. And like, there's always a more convenient thing to do for, you know, the same or more money. Um, I don't think that like either one of us do this just for the money, but it's what we do to make a living. So it, you know, you kind of have to keep that in attention at all times. You know, you got to fill up your calendar the best that you can. And, uh, Yeah, luckily, I've just had a great group of people around me, like my whole DJ career, including yourself and Walter and, you know, Lee Michaels, uh, Speed, um, jumping into that promo team at like, you know, running stuff at Dakota's and Schaumburg for the, that promotion that we did on Tuesday nights that really became a thing for like eight years, man. It was like packed. So like, I learned a lot. You know, I think it is any DJ experiences, you know, getting into the scene and kind of finding your lane, like you're not going to just make tons of money up front, you got to be willing to take the, the mediocre stuff and just, you know, gain knowledge and strength and just build your brand. And luckily, I've surrounded myself with like, great people that are just in the same industry. And it's, it's cool. Like, that's the best part about this is the people and like, really just seeing them show up, they're kind of in an okay mood. And then like, by the end of the night, they're just the happiest people. And I think that, like, just making people happy is, like, the most rewarding out of any of this kind of stuff. I
1: mean, we're genuinely in the fun business. I was just sitting in the dentist's chair, you know, and I was like, man, it takes a special breed to do what you do, bro. Yeah. I like, go, you're in the pain business. I'm in the fun business. Like, right. I can't. I'm working with different kinds of smiles. Yeah.
0: And then that. <clears throat> so, yeah, just along the way, um, you know, one thing always leads to another. We don't really have plans. We don't really, there's no schedule for us. There's no. I,
1: you know, like we were chatting over lunch earlier, I, the variety of it, it really is really what makes it for me. And what you were mentioning about negative situations, even all the negative situations are a blessing because a, if it was due to an individual, we don't deal with them anymore. We're only dealing with the other good, you know, good people that we dig and that are, that we know are on the same pages as us. And those people have all gone by the wayside. Right. Literally, like, all noticed. those people in my life are those, the, you know, the people that I mentioned, you know, that I work for at the club and, yeah you know, other um, bar mitzvah entertainment and companies and all that, you know.
0: Would you, would you, it's pretty fair to say that if you have patience, then you'll get into this industry and have a pretty solid shot at making it a career?
1: Uh, man, patience. I don't know. I think it takes a lot more than patience than patience
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it, you know what it depends on what you want to go into And again going back to you know we we're talking about earlier when someone said oh i want to be a dj you know and mm-hmm. in the past before Serrata, i would say by the time i would explain to them that they gotta you know listen to two different things at the same time and know what you know right which one's the, the faster long-hand. and yeah once they get to that part they already gave up on djing and nowadays the first thing i ask them is well what kind of dj do you want to be do you want to be a star do you meaning in the sense that you want to you wanna write and perform music and be known in in that sense? Like, are you going to produce music? Then, you know, social following is going to be huge and getting your music out there and getting a following in that sense. Or do you want to be a hustler DJ? You know, I, I in a way, I'm just a hustler. You know, I'm just, I want to be as open as possible, do the most high-quality gigs of whatever kind they are. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be playing for uh, the NFL during their, their draft when they came finally to Chicago mm-hmm. um, to, you know, whatever. It's just, I just want to do the best gigs ever, whether it's the best wedding, the best bar mitzvah, the best. Um, I just want to do the best. I want to be part of the best gigs with the best people that pay the best.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, Genuinely. A <laughs> that's a great formula to follow. You know,
1: I don't care if anybody knows who I am. I really, yeah. really don't,
0: dude. That's the best, isn't it? I didn't
1: have business cards for the first fifteen years. Yeah, it's the best. I don't, uh, I don't know. What's your, what's your DJ? Name? It wouldn't, it won't matter. You won't know. You've never heard of me. I promise you.
0: Right. But people who book gigs
1: know who I am. Right. So,
0: and it's cool because you, you kind of feel like, man, best kept secret, right? I don't. You know, I don't
1: even look at. It. It's become. It's a job. Right. It's literally, it's a job, man. It's. I've gotten to the point where you know, I have the formula down, you know, Monday morning, get my, my clothes of the dry cleaners. So I got it, you know, ready for by at least Wednesday, Thursday gigs. Yeah. And then, you know, even sometimes I have, you know, Monday, Tuesday, depending during fashion season, especially, you know, there'll be fashion shows and fashion presentations and panel discussions and I'll do anything. Yeah. I'll do anything music, microphone, hmm, you know, talking, speaking related. I don't, You know,
0: that's good. I mean, more avenues that you can handle. I'll never
1: over, you know, I'll never promise something that I'm not comfortable with. Someone said, hey, man, you got to do a whole, you know, country party, like the four or five hours. You know, I know I can't do, I can't make up, you know, I can do a great country set for you. Yeah. You know, but I can't, it's not my wheelhouse. You know, I would definitely say.
0: Well, you know know what your lane is and you're super comfortable, like with everything. And that's rare. So, well, and that's, you know. Again, that comes with patience in the industry and being able to make it through, you know, the first five years of a decade and then going through a decade. And then now you've gone through two decades of music. You know, I used to get really excited just to, I think the whole transformation from like, I started with vinyl, moved to CDs, then to the computer, just like everybody else. And I think that, you know, once I was on just doing house music, I was like, man, this is great, but like, I want to be able to do hip hop too. So reached out to DJ speed and was like, yo, show me the way. And then just started shadowing him and guys like flip side back in the day. Shout out to those two did a lot, you know, for, I think a lot of people in Chicago that in that mid two thousands era, um, the whole DJ culture just exploded. Um, you know, a couple key features, shout out to DJ AM, RIP, uh, really paved the way for a lot of new ideas with mixing and um, that's goat for real like big time goat Um, can you I think the first time I saw him was at Reserve in Chicago maybe did you ever get a chance to see him?
1: I didn't see him at Reserve Um, we played together at Enclave one night Uh, I opened and he showed up and I stood right there next to him the whole rest (laughs) of the night I didn't move I, I think I pretended to do the lights or something like that, I, but I was not leaving a DJ booth. Yeah. There was no way. But, and again, you know, GOAT for real. There is just, you know, someone who could play one note, you know, and he's making his own song. Like, he's playing, He's he plays, played the turntables and the mixer as instruments, as a piano player play, plays the piano, as, as um, you know, a violinist plays the strings. It's just, you know, he was playing you know that Wonderwall wall mix that he did it was yeah i mean if that's not a musician i don't know what the definition of musician is then
0: well i think it, we're still in the stages where we were at that time of breaking down itemized like you know what's an artist what's a performing artist you mm-hmm. know a guitarist or a pianist or mm-hmm. you know whatever and i think that that kind of style of djing really just tore down that barrier of being an artist and like You know,
1: but he was brilliant about it, though. It wasn't about him. When you look into it a little bit more, and and this is all just my own personal, you know, not doing research or watching his movie or whatever, but um, he took a lot of cats with him, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Spider, Morris Code, DJ Scene, um, Aoki, you know. When he really blew up, You couldn't just get him, from what I understood, at a club. You would have to book a couple of other of his guys first first, or have some sort of an arrangement for a rotation of them, you know, and then he would come. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was after the reserve, you know, that that was like when he hit it. Yeah. And then once it was time to monetize that whole thing as much as possible, that's when he made that whole deckstar crew and. Fashion and all those guys and all those guys still play. I mean, DJ Scene is
0: killing it, bro. He's he's been killing it. If there, I
1: have goosebumps, bro. If there's ever a DJ to be, you know, that's a lot. Excuse me, it's alive today. Yeah, you know.
0: Shout out to Scene,
1: bro. I mean, making music, remixing music, performing, literally performing the music. Just yeah, as a D. I mean, scratching it in. Just not this. And know, you know, if you love the producer DJs like Geta and Calvin and all these cats, they're more power to them. They do what they do. They do great. But this is not the same category no. of, of musical producer entertainer. You mm-hmm. know, like Mustard, if you've ever seen Mustard play.
0: I have not. Like, oh, bro, dude, just <laughs> Nasty. Smashing hits, just bang, bang, bang.
1: You don't even know where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, like scene, you know, same thing. It's just, you know. And just sick versions you never even knew were possible, right? You know, so
0: yeah, and that's you know that whole scene of like you know we'll call it the mashup scene, but you know it was kind of crazy if you think about like everybody that just had to adapt to that because because he was he led the way He's, because he was the he, he set was, that standard, you know? Yeah, dude, it was when like, the club
1: owner comes up and says, "Dude, you got to play Journey tonight." I'm like, what the f-?
0: Yeah. Two weeks ago, if I would have played Journey, I'd be out of here. Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it, it, you know, you think about, like, the art form itself and how he was able to, like, bring so many classics back and make it relevant and, like, just controlling the energy in the room. And, you know, I've only got to see him the two times that I think was at Reserve, both times, and uh, everybody was just crowding, like, DJ friends, like, hey, we're going to go to Reserve tonight, AM's in town meet you there cool dude we'd get there early just to like make sure we had a spot by the dj booth because it was kind of at an angle a little bit it was weird
1: yeah and it was kind of elevated too mm-hmm. so you had to get up on something it was above the dance floor and
0: i'm I, sure i'm sure we were there because there was dude there were a ton of djs that like no i know for sure i wasn't there
1: i sure i sure wasn't there you weren't no i never i didn't go to reserve back then okay no, uh, man, I started as a attendee at the club. I started out, um, f- like, I don't know, like a dingling. I started out real early. I had some older friends. I was 18 <laughs> and King. they would take me. No, man, we were going to like kaboom China club. I went to shelter okay. back in the day. That's old school stuff. Yeah. I went to shelter, bro. I mean, when you're <sighs> legendary, just legendary Chicago nightclubs, um, you know, just sneaking in fake ID. Yeah. Oh, I know you, or, you know, someone I know or that type of thing. But, um, as far as an attendee and, and that type of thing. And then even, um, even later on I used to go to, um, I shifted back. Like I didn't go into the best nightclub wasn't important to me, but more of like the DJ and I would go and watch pure house Pete. I don't know if you know uh, who pure House the Pete name is. I mean,
0: the name sounds really familiar.
1: So I'm, um, you know, I'm sure if DJs listen to this podcast, a lot of them will, will know him, uh, R.I.P. He, uh, at that time, he was playing at Mothers. Uh, at, and, and that, I just, his skills, he knew the music like he had written it. I'd never, up until then, known another DJ that could, that would hit every single break exactly at the very Best part, and come in on the next song, on the very, very best part. Not until later, until I heard Flipside. Mm-hmm. You know, but Pure House Pete, man, and then he would own the club. I mean, he would own that dance floor, that yeah. room. People were there to dance because of him. You know, that and was he, another.
0: What do Let's let's talk about like why people don't dance anymore.
1: Because the club doesn't make money from that. They put the the bottle service in the middle. Right where the dance floor used to be.
0: Do you think there's ever going to be a point where we get back to the music is the reason we're here?
1: Anything's possible, man. There's always those purists, you know, there's always those guys that'll take, you know, once they get a, get enough coin Mm -hmm. to start some sort of venture to do, um, do something different. You know, I remember even, uh, I don't know his last name. This one dude, Mark, uh, who, who, uh, Opened the uh, Funky Buddha Lounge. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> also back in the nineties. I remember. That. You know, and he was kind of a a pioneer of his in his in his own way. You know, he combined that that real swanky lounge feel, but with hip hop and with you know, not your standard. You know, right. Definitely, he was. You know, you you didn't have to be cool to get into his club. That's cool. You didn't have to be the, the one with the most money or, you know, the one buying the bottle. He, you know, he definitely catered to those people, but that wasn't the most. His most important thing is to have a smoke-free room. Yeah. That was the first time I was ever anywhere And everybody that I, thought he was crazy. Yeah. And look at what happened, <laughs> you know, years later. Thank God. Yeah. So, yeah, there's always somebody who will make it more. You know, it'll be
0: interesting to see because I feel like as DJs, we're just, you know, playing for the small groups of people that are in and out. There's no there's so many places available now to go to, man, like back when we were going out, like you pretty much stayed in one spot, maybe next door if it was like, you know, a thing. But now you're just getting groups of people that hit like six, seven places a night. So like it's hard to sometimes maintain a room. If you know that they're leaving and they want to hear their song and like they kind of play my song, I'm leaving in ten minutes. Like, come God, on, the
1: fuck? Who are you? It's it's so me. What are you talking about? Like, how do you even have the nerve to say something like that to somebody? I don't. Know. I I definitely don't want to get into the whole request thing, <laughs> but as we were chatting about earlier, I definitely love to get into the whole videographer topic since yeah, <laughs> we're recording something and I really feel the need to. Have something documented? Yeah, and, no. And I don't know what'll ever happen to this, but if it if it's spread, you know, and and people want to share their opinion, I would love, love, love to hear it. I'm even thinking about getting on the the DJ, the local Chicago DJ network page, social page, and
0: I think I'm a member on there, but I don't really.
1: And put it, put that question out to everybody. But basically, so my beef is with videographers. I've been playing. Um, more and more higher end um, private and corporate events, more, more of the, the private events and uh, where I'm having the situation where videographers walk up rudely and just demand a clean line out as though you work for them.
0: For those that don't know what a clean line out means, just an audio signal out of your mixer board or speaker so that they can record it. And have a a really good file to work with when they're making their highlight video for the wedding or whatever. Whatever
1: edits and, you know. But they they expect it. It's come to, and, you know, as I've brought it up to other people too, they're complacent too about it. And Mm -hmm. I ask them, why are you complacent about it? Why is it, oh, it's easy, it's no big deal. Okay, but he's making $2,500 and you're getting nothing. And he's demanding it and being rude about it. I don't know. That's, uh, so anyway.
0: I get it. No, I get it because I've had, you know, there's a lot of annoying things that happen. And I think you and I touched down earlier about like the expectations that people just walk into a room and, you know, we all, we've all gone through like horror stories at different, you know, private events where, you know, things were said aggressively that really didn't need to take place. And then when it happens and it kind of like, it doesn't spoil your night, but, like, every time you see that person, you're like, man, if you tripped on some, like, icing on the dance floor, I wouldn't be that upset. But, I, you know,
1: what's, what's funny to me is that people don't even realize, you know, just think a little psych about psychology. Like, if you piss off the DJ, the DJ's setting the vibe for the whole rest of the room for the whole rest of the night. Right. If you, what if you, what happens if you piss off the photographer? What, are you going to get bad photos or something? Not really. They're the same. But if the DJ's pissed off, dude, the blend, you know, the, he's not going to be like so excited to, okay, what, you know, what, what's the next, what, you know, what direction am I going to go in? What can I kill these people with? Like, what can I surprise them with and really, you know, set it off? Yeah. And you know, I thing he's thinking about how he's annoyed as hell from that other person who just totally spoiled his mood.
0: Right. You know? And like, it doesn't even seem like it would be something that would spoil your mood. But like when you have a million things going on and you're, have like a list of to do things and you have 20 things to do in the next five minutes.
1: And come on, dude.
0: And then on top of it, they always show up like 15 minutes before the gig starts. Yeah. And throw their stuff all in front of you and leave it there. And at least like, I guess I'm just used to it and I kind of expect it, but you know, I carry like an extra roll of electrical tape in there because they are not going to carry anything to tie their cord onto your pole to make it look halfway decent Where most people don't notice that kind of stuff, but I think that all DJs, if you're a mobile DJ of any sort, or like you're pretty particular about your looks of your setup, and if you're any decent, yeah, you know, like if you give, if you care, basically. So, knowing that, like I just bring electrical tape because I know that these idiots don't have it.
1: But see, that's the problem.
0: That's exactly. It kind of enables them.
1: Yeah, we're an, we're an enabler. So I've, for my own self, I've 100% decided that f- moving forward in my contract, there will be a plug-in service fee. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm somewhere between, <laughs> genuinely, 100%. I believe it. And I present it with every with every gig, uh, but somewhere between $200 and $500 for a clean line out.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you want to monetize the shit out of it,
1: why, but why not? He so the the last guy who pissed me off. Finally, when I cooled down and he came at me with the right approach, and we started chit-chatting about it, and I wanted to get his uh, a take on it, you know, yeah. as a videographer. And um, yes, he totally expects it. I mean, that's like that's like. Looking at a girl, you know, seeing a girl at a, a club or a restaurant or whatever, and you go to approach her, and she has to say yes to you and has to say, okay, we're going out on a date, or, you know, yes, here's my phone number.
0: Or but, she comes up to the DJ booth and says, you have to play my song. Well, that's a, see, you're still hung up on that. We can go, we
1: can have a whole like <laughs> no, two day event on requests. <laughs> This is I'm I'm spearheading a it's whole new expectations
0: though expectations across yeah, the board. Exactly. Is, is the
1: the main problem. And she's expecting that you're going to play her song exactly. So um but this but she's not monetizing that. She's right. not gaining financially from that unless someone paid her to do it or you know, I don't know whatever but right. you know what I'm getting at. This man is genuinely paying
0: his bills. True. That's a that you know that's a that's a great angle that He's
1: driving that Porsche Cayenne. I'm rolling up in an Odyssey. What's <laughs> Yeah, what's wrong with this picture?
0: Yeah, no, I get it. I'm I mean, making these people's memory right now.
1: He's only documenting it,
0: right? And because you have great equipment, and you and I have all of that, he takes advantage of it
1: for free.
0: I wonder if we can. Done what's, with it. What's a fair number? What's a, f- a fair number for Man. any videographers who want to drop a comment and. Or if they want to call in. Do we have do we call-in capabilities? Yeah, you can actually, well.
1: Can we, fa- or like maybe FaceTime or Skype or something? I don't know.
0: Well, we're not live right now, so. Okay.
1: Well, when we go live one day. When we go
0: live, this will definitely be a topic of call-in. For real. We'll get the Google lineup, and that'll be on the next episode where we actually. I think
1: this is going to be the very, very newest big thing that's going to be changing the industry is they figured out a way to get a better, get a better track. Mm-hmm. We got to figure a way, you know, figure out a way to make money on that because they're making money on off. On right. Us. So, I mean,
0: yeah, no, it makes sense. Cause we're not, you know, they're not giving us all the footage from the event. We get zero from it, bro.
1: It'd be one thing if he says, okay, well I'll trade you promotional footage. I'll make a, um, one minute. Two I minute. would
0: totally be down with that. That's yeah. the easiest thing possible. Hey, you're already cool. You're already like on my playing field of bartering and figuring out how we can help each other. Cause at the end of the day, that's kind of what this event all take about. Is- I would take that.
1: That's worth more than 500 bucks. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, totally. I would
1: take that's a, okay, so well, we'll put that in the contract. If you have a videographer. I mean, it's just like any of the other lines. You know, mm-hmm. if this happens, this is the consequence. You know, right. If my equipment is damaged to your faulty venue or idiot guests or whatever the case is, this is the reimbursement. Same thing with this, you know. Mm-hmm. If you choose the if this happens, then this is the Have you ever got burned on anything like that? Like contract driven? Uh no, man. I've been real lucky. I've been really, really lucky, and I've always even the guy who I started originally with, who I you know despise um one of the things that I took away from from him in that company is that he always guaranteed his services mm-hmm. yes, I charge this much, but if you feel that I didn't give a hundred and ten percent, you don't have to pay me and I kind of always took that took that with me, you know yeah, um, and then. Only lately, only the last few years that I start taking some deposits and things like that, but I'm not even hung up on deposits. No.
0: And all that. It's just.
1: I'd rather know that I had that guaranteed paycheck on that day. Right. You know?
0: And I think that's means a lot to a lot of people like that are either getting married or paying for the event of their, whether it's a 50th anniversary or something like that. They Mm -hmm. like the stress of like not having to drop a deposit and just pay day of. Mm hmm. You know, I think it's there's perks of on both sides, really.
1: You know what, though, I've seen people the other way. Like, what do you mean you don't want a deposit? As though, as though that's some less assurance that they have that you'll be there. Right. You know right. what I mean?
0: But what it really means is, man, I'd rather get all of it at once yeah. instead of broken up because you know that's you get there and like and they pay the remainder and you're like, what? And like, oh, you gave me a deposit.
1: Yeah. Damn it! I try to make sure even the the, the remainder is healthy but uh, yeah
0: yeah I mean and that's that's the good part about you know being diligent about what you do and trying to I guess be ahead on like the whole planning aspect because it is like a big thing to plan when you're writing down music sending out contracts and you know you have to everybody has a similar layout you know keeping the music straight I mean it is a job it's a task there's a lot to remember there's a lot to write down I really
1: um I really like working with being a freelance person and working with other
0: freelancers with
1: other companies that, that also have their own clients, you know, right. Whereas they just hire me for that night of, you know, and they take care of everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just showing up to perform the service. I love that. Yeah. I love that too. You know, do I like talking to clients? Yeah. You know, sometimes some clients are more demanding than others, you know, Mm -hmm. and take up more time than others. Some are, some you never hear from and it's like, hey, dude, it's, you know, it's coming up in two weeks. We got to chat. Yeah. You know, they always wait till the last minute, you know, but, you know, for me, it's good because I still got the one this Saturday to worry about. You know, I got to remember these. Right. You know, details, you know, for and whatever. then you go
0: to the same and you go to the same place. Sometimes and you're like, man, it's like Groundhog Day. You know what?
1: I was at the Drake th- uh, twice in one week and three times in 10 days <laughs> just this past week.
0: And you're a master at getting through that awful load in past the garbage dumpster where
1: next to everybody's smoking freaking cigarettes at and Mm -hmm. it's practically enclosed. So there's no breeze (laughs) or air. Yeah. And then down the, the life threatening, you're taking your life into your own hands ramp Mm -hmm. to get the gear down. It's got to be like a 10 degree slope. Yep. Literally this past time. Um, I like a dingling instead of taking my 18s down one at a time, I tried to roll them down Ooh. two at a time. Oh, dude. Timber. And I was wearing my my Adidas slides. That was a recipe for hospitalization. Oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, it is like Groundhog's day. But you know what's nice, though? Then you see the room captain or the manager, and you get Your a better dinner. Familiar face. Better, yeah. They take care of you more. Can we bring you something? Are you thirsty?
0: Right. Yeah, no, it's important to have, like, a good aspect on... I think just making sure that the entire team of the people, everyone in the room there is solely there to make this couple's night. Perfect. Like everything from silverware to drinks, to the music, to the photographer, videographer, um, even even,
1: corporate events, you know, even these people, this guy can you know, they don't know one another. This guy came from Texas. This guy came from California. This, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you want to try and, um, and do your best to, to make everybody feel, welcome and warm and not like what the hell is this song i just heard five songs i don't know any of them right you know what i mean like that's terrible that's terrible unless you're playing a concert that people bought tickets for you you know in my eyes 95 90 95 percent of the people should know almost every single song you know I i don't know again depending on what it is but just social gatherings corporate gatherings you know it's a team effort all the way around yeah, and you got to be kind of the orchestra leader a little bit and know when the food is coming out. And right. Is the photographer ready for this Toast Speech Award? Are they in the room? Whatever, exactly. And the
0: parents in the room, right? Yeah, everybody. Speaking of team, though, like, you're doing a lot of stuff for Chicago Bears, which is pretty dope. Yeah. You've been killing it.
1: Yeah, I've been really, really lucky. That's awesome. Um, knock on wood, so blessed. Uh, they're awesome to work with, and um, I want to say this is like my favorite fourth or fifth season wow that's awesome this season probably yeah i did less and moved up you know a little bit i did one gig here one gig there and they gave me more and then they gave me um you know all the home games and stuff
0: that's great man good for you that's i mean that's a big i mean it doesn't it is a big thing for djs because i think that's kind of like the trophy that we like to
1: Well, you know, I'm not playing, I'm not on the, I'm not on the field. They have another DJ who plays on the field. I'm not sure what he plays. I think he plays for the, the, the team warm while they warm up. Okay. I play uh, on the South entrance. So I'm the first person. I'm the one that sets any kind of tone as they walk in. Other than the person checking their ticket, the next person who's going to influence them is me. They're going to hear my music. They're going to hear a song and they're either going to have a smile on their face or it's not going to affect them at all. You know? I'm not going I've, to play anything that's going to offend anybody, but you know what I'm saying? You yeah. Go, I, they, they walk in and you go, you know, and they say they bobbing their head or they're into, you know, being at the game or at the stadium or, you know what? I just found out recently, a lot, you know, probably like 34, 30, 40% of the people, a large, a large number of the people from what I understand are always there for their first time. Yeah. You know, either getting season ticket holders seats or buying tickets or, you know, buying them online or buying them secondhand from somewhere whatever the case is you know so they don't know what to expect they're just excited right. to be there
0: yeah and i feel like the the presence of dj's in the professional sports avenue is just super popular at the moment it's there's trending. not a game there's not a i mean there's not a game that you go to that they don't have a dj that's kind of spotlighted in one way or another and there are a lot of different types of dj's from corporate uh i feel like i feel like all the experience you gain like you kind of get rewarded with these kind of opportunities. And we were talking about opportunity and just being ready for that opportunity and how like all of the bad gigs have kind of, I don't know, shaped you in a way to like not have a bad experience to make a good experience out of everything. And the fact that you're in that kind of spotlight means, you know, job well done across the board.
1: Yeah. I did enough of my, uh, fifth grade graduation parties and, (laughs) you know, Community center dances and whatever you know, whatever paid right at the time <laughs> that right. I would accept.
0: And the cool thing about you know, you're getting other opportunities once these people are exposed to you in the masses. You know, you get hey, do you do this? Do you do that, and like that's that's great too. Yes, so yes, it helps
1: because I was never on the radio or at any you know, mm-hmm. I was never any like uh, recognized name. So to put that in my working resume helps me with booking oh. clients because a lot of my clients and, you know, again, we talked about this earlier, um, you know, are booking they're in the booking entertainment business, you know? Right. So those are the people that I really want to know my name. But, um, when there is a client that needs to be convinced or something that they're trying to sell me on, at least they have something to reference to and to see what your working resume is. And to have that on there definitely helps.
0: Oh yeah. It's, I mean, just as like, you know, as we do a lot of work, a lot of same stuff, uh, my schedule fills up. I kind of hit you up. And uh, just recently, we had that happen with a, a wedding where I wasn't able to do it, hand it off to you. I was kind of nervous about the client and what they were going to, you know, kind of respond with. And, you know, it seemed to be like a perfect situation. He was extremely happy afterwards and, you know, let you know. And, you know, that's awesome. That means the world when you can just kind of trust, you know, one of your friends with, you know, a gig that, you know, you want to go well generally because they hit you up and you recommend, a friend of yours, and <clears throat> just knowing your resume of like being able to accommodate all crowds is just priceless. I think that if you could give anybody advice that's trying to be a DJ, I think the more genres and the more decades, the more and the mass of like the widest angle possible of genres is your best ticket. Mm-hmm. And not being afraid
1: to put that together, you know what I mean? Right. I played I played Drake with Elvis on Saturday. <laughs> it's awesome. On beat. Yeah, it works. And it was appropriate to the dance floor. Right. You know, it just was. So, And it was the right moment. And it's timing. You know, DJing is timing in so many ways. You know, one time I was playing at a Old Navy Launch. Mm-hmm. And some uh, some guy was standing there with his arms folded, just staring at me for a long time. And then finally, I guess his friend or relative or whoever he was with came up to him and he's looking at him. And he was telling him how interested he interesting it was watching me. And he goes to him, yeah, it's all about timing. And I'd never thought of it that way or heard that before, you know. Mm-hmm. And timing in so many ways. Yeah. you know, Not just time, the time of the beat. Well, you know? it's the
0: timing of the mood shifting because there's energy shifts in the night. You know, there's, there's times where it's time to go from opening music to your second set. And your mm-hmm. second set's kind of got to wake them up and see how they respond. And mm-hmm. then, set, you know, drop it back down and go into a power set. And I feel like... Man, from the 2000s, it's still the same formula. And you just have to... Like, all the music now that's popping is just very... Just trendy. It sounds good in your Spotify, maybe in your earbuds or something. Mm-hmm. But, like... It doesn't translate to the dance the, floor. The club just... just is just not work. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, all the new stuff is being sampled. Well, all the, the new stuff is samples of 90s and 2000s hip-hop.
1: Yeah. And I just... I think there's so much music and so many avenues for the music to be delivered that in certain cases, I know that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm underpowered for the situation. Yeah. You know, some of these school dances and these outlying suburbs and stuff that I've done, I'm not on the page of the music that they're listening to. They're again, they're getting it from Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. Mm -hmm. They're not mainstream artists, you know, and it's just, uh, and, and then, so not only do I know, it, I can download it, but then I'm not familiar with it. I don't know the breaks. I don't know the hooks. Right. You know, especially the, some of the new hip hop stuff, bro. You don't know what, what's a hook, what's a verse. Are they talking? Are these words?
0: <laughs> Conversation. <laughs> you know <laughs> what this I mean? Is, the, uh, <laughs> is this the intro for the album? Like, like, I gotta like, know what's what
1: going on. <laughs> so, but the kids know all the words and it makes them happy. And I don't wanna be in a position where I'm doing someone a disservice because I'm not educated in, in that. And I can't be in everything. Right. You know what I mean? And that's,
0: you know, not my bread and butter. Right. I think that if you, I don't know, like just being a fan of hip hop and like seeing, I've kind of embraced all of the new stuff for what it is. You know, Mm -hmm. there's some stuff that's pretty good and there's some stuff that's pretty bad. But if you could kind of comb through and find pieces of the new stuff that correlate it, you know, like maybe do like a 70, 30 of your hip hop, you know, 70%, like super familiar. 30% 30% new and, you know, touching ground on maybe some new stuff that people aren't up on yet. Mm-hmm. But it's, you can't do a power set. You can't do like a third or fourth power set with the new stuff.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. You gotta and and if you, you and if, go way back on the closing set. And if,
0: you, and if you do, you're dropping it at the one and you're playing it for 12 seconds and then you're out onto something else. Mm-hmm. So you got to have a catalog of new stuff that's just, you know, you're going to play a song every 30 seconds for at least 15 minutes to be a power set. So now it's just, it's too hard to like know what they're going to respond to because of all the new music that's coming out. There's nothing that's like, you know, old town road was like a huge crossover pop hit that really just brought attention and value to um, the community as far as being like a, a country album, but like country, Hip hop did not want to recognize it as country, mm. so you know, Billy Ray got on the remix, and that whole thing happened where they made it officially country because he was on the record, mm. so that was pretty cool. Um, but for the most part, the new music is just it's only relevant to those younger people, it's not for us, you know, it's younger music. When I'm totally cool with it because you know. Hits come from like classics, you know. Like the the remixes of all the new stuff is essentially the same thing, but just recycled in a way. And uh, I think the dance music is going to come back pretty soon. I'm looking forward to that. I don't think they write
1: anything at like 125 and up anymore. Everything's 77, if it's 69. One, if it's
0: 125, it's like slowed down in halftime. Exactly, like
1: a, it's 60, 62.
0: Well, man, I'm like super glad that you got to come out here today, man. This was lovely, bro. This was lovely. You could even break
1: this up into like three different, four different topics. Oh, we'll yeah, all over the place.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely chop it up and, uh, you know, be this is this might be the just the trial run, but this I is,
1: think this is a good trial run. I think this is a really good trial run.
0: Yeah, man, I'm super, super glad you got to come by, and uh, we had to grab some tacos for lunch, Taco Tuesday. That's
1: right. Oh yeah, it was Tuesday on top of it. So that's October
0: twenty second. Mm -hmm. Taco Tuesday
1: Yeah it's a wrap man Thank
0: you for having me Awesome man Well thanks for coming through Peace Peace